What's really good, everybody? This is Nathan Auerbach, and welcome to the podcast where we get into people's stories and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about what's really good in the world. For today's episode, I got to speak with David Hayward. David is an artist, author, and the person behind Naked Pastor, which is a thought-provoking blog about religions specifically geared toward Christianity. He also runs an online group called The Lasting Supper, which is like a resource site and community for spiritually independent people to deconstruct their religious baggage, uh, meet like-minded individuals, and process life together, apart from the homes or the churches that they've left. In our talk, we got into what it is to deconstruct religion and work through spiritual abuse. We touched a bit on our experiences in the church uh, throughout the course of our lives and just how to be a whole person after going through so much loss and craziness along the way. I've been a fan of David's work for years, so it was a real privilege to get to speak with him, and I hope you all enjoy it. So now let's get into what's really good. David, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, David, you I, I started following you a few years ago on social media, and I'm sure mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of ways to describe what you do, but a sort of an umbrella way of putting it, you provide a space online for the quote-unquote spiritually homeless, and yeah. you, you do really cool art through like cartoons that you've done for a long time and some fine art sketches and all that and yeah. this is sort of the platform that you've developed within the margins of christianity so i just uh-huh. right off the bat if you do you want to get into it all like what your story was like growing up in the church and sort of your background on all that uh-huh. well um I'm, I'm not promoting my book honestly because i don't make a lot of money from my books but uh, <laughs> if you do want Go to know it. my story more in detail uh, i i wrote questions are the answer and um it's the story of my journey really um growing up in the church um, all kinds of churches. I was baptized Anglican, but we went all over the place. I call myself, I'm, I'm my own ecumenical movement because I've been in so many uh, churches, denominations, and so on. And I was ended up in the Baptist church and then the Pentecostal church. I went to Pentecostal Bible College, and I went to an evangelical seminary, and then I got uh, ordained Presbyterian and uh, all this kind of stuff. And then I ended up in the Vineyard Church, and that's where I actually um, ended up. And ended my ministry in the in the Vineyard Church in 2010. I left the ministry, but um, yeah, I grew up in the church, and uh, you know, I, I was always curious intellectually. Uh, I I read a lot. I studied a lot. Um, I wanted to know the answer. I wanted to know the truth, so I kept pursuing it. And um, you know, I just found that often um, the church isn't the the best context to yeah. ask really tough questions. And I don't know, I, I managed always to find uh, um, a church that would have me. Uh, and I, I, like I say, I, I kept finding a, a bigger box to fit in until finally I realized um, there is no box. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I moved, I, moved uh, I, I quit the ministry 
and uh, we left left the church as you know official members mm-hmm. then at the same time. And uh, you know we visit churches now and and things like that, and we have. You know, we associate with <laughs> churchgoers and so on and so forth. There's no problem there, but I just found that uh, I felt a lot more able to um, pursue my own spiritual growth outside of the walls of the the church. And apparently, I'm not the only one who feels that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. Well, you mentioned boxes and how sort of like I think that's a really cool way of putting it. How over time you're trying to sort of figure out like what what church what group will have you or where are you able to expand yeah. on big ideas and and challenge the status quo and i think that's a really interesting way to put it because every church no matter what the structure is i mean i think about this more in the context of even progressive christianity now because uh-huh. it doesn't you you might move i get the typical story nowadays you know 2018 western culture is it's more so moving from conservative churches to progressive minded churches and yes. all along the way you know it it doesn't really matter what the label is. You're going to find yourself in a box because yeah. whoever the pastor is, whether it's, you know, the most conservative, you know, big name, whether it's a Tim Keller or it's a Rob Bell, you know, everybody sort of has their pat answers and the places yeah. that they, like when you ask them hard questions, they have their sort of default that they go to. And like, you know, if there's always an in group and an out group and it's really, really hard to yeah. navigate you know, as as someone who's constantly growing, if you're trying to grow in who you are and what you believe, and and you want to be in a space where it's all open for discussion, uh-huh. you know, it's really really hard to find a space like yeah. that within a church. Yes, yeah. it is very hard, very hard. And I, you know, um, that's something I always tried to create, or uh, you know, um, tried to build that kind of community where you could be, where it could be very diverse, and there wasn't any dotted line you had to sign in order to belong and uh you know that that to me is the most exciting and probably the healthiest kind of community is is one that allows for diversity because we are diverse whether we like it or not everybody's different everybody believes differently and um so for me the healthiest the kind of community that reflects healthy humanity in my opinion is diverse yeah yeah so um, and, and, you know, that's what we're trying to do in the Lasting Supper with um, my online community, um, where th- we allow for the diversity. There's no theological line you have to sign on or anything. And, you know, and I, the last church I pastored, we, we really did really well at achieving that to some extent, you know. Um, but then, it's like you say, uh, there's people who, there's a lot of people who just really want you to tell them what to believe yeah and how to behave and um i wasn't willing to do that you know so it's uh yeah it's very difficult to form that kind of community though for sure yeah do you want to get into a little bit more of like what the lasting supper is and what made you start that and just okay you know, what it entails all together yeah so the lasting supper is my online community uh it's a subscription site so don't be shocked when you go there and <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't believe you're making me pay to be a part of a community <laughs> um, anyway yeah so it's uh, fifteen bucks a month but uh 
that's because it takes it's a full time job, really. Yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to be an admin. You have to moderate. Yeah, you have and... to admin it and facilitate it and moderate it and so on. So, um, I started it in 2012. Uh, I left the ministry in 2010. From there, I jumped into a university job teaching English as a second language to international students. And then um, in 2012, I started this community because I was longing to fellowship with people who were going through this, a similar process as I was, um, leaving the church, figuring out how to live life without the church or outside of the church's walls, and who may be going through deconstruction, you know, the loss of belief or loss of faith or change of belief and faith, Yeah, yeah. and um, provide a safe place for them. Now, I originally uh, started it just as a resource site, providing resources and ideas and advice and stuff like that, <coughs> and then realized a community was forming. And, um, you know, it's it's hovered around 200 people or so. And uh, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know if I want it to grow much bigger than that. Um, yeah, it's like the bigger it gets, the more problems, the more yeah, difficult more it problems. is to manage. Yeah. 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 And, and so what we do is uh, I... I provide resources, like I write a letter every week, and there's um, there's over 50 podcast interviews of the members and um, videos and um, stuff like that. But we also have a, a Facebook group, secret Facebook group that we run, and that's where the community interaction takes place. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we're very diverse. There's everybody there from atheist to church-going believer and even people in ministry, ex-pastors, and, you know, you name it. It's just a wide diversity of people. But the our core value is to um, listen and to respect the journey of others, and uh, unless, of course, they're hurting people. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, um, and so far, it's, you know, for the most part, it's worked. We've had a couple of blow-ups, but um, we're learning from that. And, um, you know, it's been... Uh, yeah, a, a wonderful, yeah, 2012, so it's been six years it's been going, and it's just a wonderful, dynamic, diverse, fascinating group of people who, you know, you just share your story, and nobody judges you or tries to correct you or, you know, start a theological discussion or argument about it. Yeah, yeah. We just listen and support, and... Um, yeah, and it's it's wonderful. So I know it can be done. I actually know that kind of yeah. community can exist. Yeah, but it's, but it's very tenuous though because <coughs> it's so fragile. Because at any time anybody can, you know, try to um, harm it. So it's it's uh, it's it's a very fragile thing, but a very beautiful thing at the same time. Yeah, that's what I was going to kind of get into. I mean, just from my own personal experience, I know it's really. It's a it's a rough transition period to kind of go from whatever, it, no matter where you start from, where, wherever your starting point is, when you go through like the first phase of your life, constructing your ego identity into whatever you believe, and then you sort right. of fall into that deconstructing phase where you have to start to pick apart who you are. And for a lot of people, that looks different ways. You know, for some people, they go through abuse, whether it's physical or spiritual or or um, manipulative or whatever. Right. Or some people go through just a traumatic event. You know, some yes. people, they, they move away from a town that they were in their whole life, and now they don't know who they are. And it looks yeah. different for everybody, but for everybody, it's sort of this 
period, like this phase of a loss of identity and not being sure who you are. So yeah, it's yeah. really, really cool that you were able to even get this thing off the ground in the first place. Cause yeah. it's like to be able to create a platform like this one, we already know online is the most difficult context to have any kind of relationship with, you know, it's yeah. it, just communicating through typing words on the internet yeah. is so yeah. difficult because you have no idea. I mean, someone's intentions or who they are, like the context is watered down to almost nothing. So it's really, really hard to manage that and to, yeah. to sort of see through and be transparent with, with the people around you. So Kudos to you for being able to even do that, which is just super cool. But yeah. yes, something you had said in there really resonated with me about how, you know, the people, no matter where they are in their journey, when they come in to this group, you know, they're, there's an open environment and it's not really a place at its best. It's not really a place for um, just flat out critique and debate, you know, because I think that's sort of what it, it, these things tend to devolve into naturally. You know, and I, and I think right. I think about my own story and like myself growing up and how, you know, when I was younger and had a little bit more of a conservative minded theology and just worldview in general, the things uh -huh. that were helpful to me at that time in my life weren't people shouting me down and coming after me and trying to debate me. I mean, I guess to some degree, I could say that the debating helps because it sort of plants seeds for later on. You know, so like in that moment of being debated, you know, it's maybe traumatic or terrible or not feeling like it's helping at all. But then 10 years later, you think back <coughs> on that time and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I kind of got something from that. But but just generally speaking, you know, the things that change your heart in the moment, they really are these open relationships and feeling like you're safe and comfortable with the person talking to you and that they respect you and that you're coming from it. Uh, from this place of just, you know, wanting to learn more, you know, like we yeah. want to understand the other more, which is just yeah. super important. Yeah. 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 So the, the thing you have to switch your value from, uh, believing that somebody needs to be fixed to being okay with the, with who they are as they are. Yeah. If you can switch your value, like like you say, um, I'm, I'm a member of other groups as well, and I watch, <clears throat> I watch exactly what you say happen, where it just, it just the gravitational pull is towards chaos, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's ugly. It gets ugly really quick. It's because people believe that the other person needs to be fixed um, or something, you know, and but. I believe you can have community where, you know, I'm not trying to fix you. I'm just here to listen. Yeah. Because I actually do believe this. I believe this. I mean this sincerely. That when people are given a safe space to uh, just be who they are, and um, that they will become who they are meant to be. Like, I, that's the healthiest environment for personal change in my experience and in my observation is when you're just provided space and, and um, that's where real powerful energy, transformative energy happens. Not, not when you're being corrected and, you know, um, judged and uh, you know, uh, 
whatever edified yeah, yeah, you want to yeah, call. right when, when when you're given the space people can grow themselves actually yeah, like when you look across the board, just in general, I mean, there's so many hyper polarizing examples of this happening in you know the 2018 political spectrum right now, and yeah. in, in the news cycles, how you, know, you see a lot of, especially these days, it seems like you see a lot of young troubled men, and whenever the limelight gets shined on any of these individuals for doing some horrific thing that happens in the news, it's never. It's it's never the case that they came from this loving, nurturing background where they were understood and they felt like they had an outlet and they felt like they had mm-hmm. friends and opportunities. You know, it's always, you know, they were ostracized for something and it creates this weird tension in, in the media and between, uh, you know, ideologies because it sort of becomes this, um, like, how do you, how do you approach um, someone who is doing harm or someone who is believing something harmful without playing this sort of victim game because it's super easy I think to also almost over empathize when someone mm-hmm. does something when someone is committing a horrific act it's sometimes you know looked at from certain far right particularly angles where they may look at you know a specific instance and just try their best to empathize with it. You know they come up with excuses for the behavior, and I think there's a sort of point of diminishing return there where you can't really you know focus too much on that, but you still at some degree have to focus on the context of right. who the individual is. And, you know why are they hurt? You know like you see this like you said in your own observations. You know I tend to agree in my own observations and in myself where, you know, anytime, even just on a day-to-day stuff, you know, when I'm living with my fiance, you know, if we get in a fight and one of us is super pissed off and we're yelling and it's getting heated, once uh-huh. we get to the bottom of that, it's never just anger and hate. You know, there's always some kind of broken piece uh-huh. underneath, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's really, really difficult to, <clears throat> to navigate that today. Politically, like, have you been finding that in this in the online community, particularly that you've been running? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well, we we don't go there because uh, deconstruction. Um, my the lasting supper is for people who are, you know, going through spiritual um, deconstruction. Oh, cool! But, so you have like a guardrail up to sort of keep it. Yeah, on track so there. Good. that's and, good, and that <laughs> that can happen to Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, <clears throat> and and so we. But we do have subgroups, so <laughs> we do have we do have a group that uh, you know it's called Post Election Blues, and you know we have another group for that deals with gender and sexuality and so on, and another yeah. group that deals with, I mean, we even have a subgroup for board game fanatics, you know. So <laughs> it's so, the whole yeah. spectrum. <laughs> yeah, the whole spectrum. But yeah, you're right, uh, and that's that's something um, with the a small group online, a group online. I mean, my group's small. It's only a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very, like, I, 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 I facilitate that group very, very closely, right? So mm-hmm. that's a full-time thing. But, um, you know, you have to be, like I said before, it's, a, you're okay to be you as long as you're, you 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 can be authentic, but as long as you're accountable. So authenticity yeah. with accountability, and so you're allowed to be authentic. But if you're hurting people, we're going to let you know. Yeah, oh, I love that. And, 
And if you uh, if you're mature and can handle that, then we can you know we can work on this and work it out and hopefully restore the balance. And uh, but if you're hurting people um, in such a way, uh, like we've actually had to remove members who were hurtful, yeah, or ended up bullying or or whatever. And it's that's never easy. It's very very difficult because I love restoration, but. <clears throat> um, that doesn't sound right. I love restoration, but that sound <laughs> at all. I love you, but I love restoration. <laughs> a small group, though, uh, it, with a specific purpose. If if there's somebody in there who's actually bullying in uh, uh, in a context where people are trying to get healed from that actual yeah uh, issue that's being bullied, then that 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 just doesn't work. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go do some private work on your own and uh the, the you can't handle this group right now so that we've had to do that a couple of times it's been very difficult but that you have to do that for the health of the community yeah i think that type of um just relationship monitoring is super necessary and it really is i can't i've never been managing a group like that and i can't imagine how difficult it would be to sort of make that judgment call but totally because i mean for some people i mean i think about it in terms of you know, again, my own personal experience, there's been times, especially like my late teen years, early 20s, where the point I was at in deconstructing my beliefs, you know, it was, I was so volatile that mm -hmm. like just in my rhetoric, you know, like just sort of the way I'd come out of something and now I hated the thing that I'd come right. out of. And I right. think in that sort of midst of whatever you want to call it, like I don't want to call it a beginning stage because for, for some people, depending on the level of what they had dealt with, it could be years or decades that they are in right. that area. But for me, it was a few years. And, you know, being in the heat of that, you really you almost can't you almost can't uh, reach across the aisle in a lot of these relationships to form any kind of discussions once once it gets past to a certain point because you get those natural tribal triggers and you almost have to be i don't even know what what the solution is but yeah you, you, like you said you have to kind of spend time away and you have to uh -huh. really you have to really hone in on the close close relationships that you have to sort of guide you through that process because you could spend there's some people who they stay in that place by choice for yeah. decades and they yeah. like the sort of spite they get from like getting a rise out of people and they essentially become the thing that they hate you yeah know? so do you have anything to yeah. like kind of get into about that because i think that's super interesting for me that really resonates to a lot of the people in my life i know how there's this tendency to kind of go from one extreme to the other extreme <laughs> you know? right well um i i i have uh some people I know, I know some people who have gone from militant evangelicals to militant atheists. Same. <laughs> what I mean, what, what I mean by that is that they, it's a it's a personality thing yeah. where they they uh, <clears throat> they're just so dogmatic, you know, about what they believe or don't believe or whatever, um, and. So on the Lasting Supper, for example, Lasting Supper, for example, uh, we have, like I say, everybody from atheist to believer. But something that doesn't work is anti-theist. Mm. So if you're anti-theist, you might have a really difficult time in the Lasting Supper because there are some people there who are believers. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that, and to me, 
<clears throat> these are all just thoughts. This, these are all just ideas. Yeah, thoughts. they're floating we, out in the space. <laughs> they're just, you know, what I believe we are united and that we are one at a very fundamental, like a quantum physics level. Yeah. And um, that th- these thoughts and things that we think divide us are just, they're just thoughts. And, and, and so we're, we're really all one. And these thoughts that we imagine are dividing us are just, they're just ideas. They're just thoughts. So I, I, that's the assumption I work on is that we're very deeply connected at a, at a fundamental level at an essential level. And, um, that these ideas are just, they're almost like playthings, like toys yeah. that we end up fighting over like children and where th- that's not really uh, what's keeping us together. It's like my wife and I, I wasn't attracted. When I first saw her in Bible college, I wasn't, wow, I love her beliefs. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not the first thing I noticed. Yeah. And, you know, we did end up being on the same page belief-wise, but now we've, we've grown in different directions individually. We have our own unique spiritual lives yeah. and beliefs. And, and we had to come to the conclusion, and that was a difficult transition to go through, but we had to come to the conclusion, you know what keeps us together is love. It's not compatibility of ideas. Yeah. And that's what brought us together in the first place, was uh, we were attracted to each other, not because of theology, yeah. you know, for other reasons. So, uh, and, and I think that still holds true now. And so that's something, I, that's a, a governing idea I, I have when I'm, moderating the lasting suppers that these are just ideas and thoughts yeah um, they seem to divide us but they they don't really they don't really um because at at a fundamental and essential level we're united in one so yeah like my mind it's funny you mentioned all that because my mind sort of gets to that place when i get in deep um political and i don't mean political as in um policy issues but more like political system conversations right. where people get into the systems of capitalism versus marxism etc and everybody uh-huh. sort of has their their place on the map where they think okay this is the system that's going to fix everything and i mm. think and my issue you know i'm obviously i enjoy you know delving into those discussions and and i have opinions on like you know times and places of what what works and when and how but to your point you know at the end of the day these ideas you know over the course of the next, what, 100 years, 1,000 years, how many cycles of systems are we going to go through? Because right. it seems like every time, you know, each system has a, a lasting life of 50 years, 100 years, uh-huh. 300 uh-huh. years. You know, like king, every kingdom falls, and then it rebuilds itself, and then it falls again. And it's yes. really strange, you know, when you kind of step outside of it, you know, you can... You can just like with the beliefs, you can just our beliefs in our spirituality, and you can kind of see all the parts floating in front of you and, and just observe them for what they are and mm-hmm. then move in the world as you see accordingly. But I think, you know, also to that point, I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit of your thoughts too on just the sort of innate tribalism that does exist between all of us on the ground level because, you know, all that. I think the framework that you presented where you're not judging, you know, each thought and belief on its own merit because these things, they can, they change and they don't make up the whole person. But they, we still today, I feel now, now more so than any time in recent memory, you know, these things that are thoughts and beliefs really have been dividing people 
so right. much more than any time, you know? So it's really yeah. like, do you have any thoughts on just like how maybe we can <laughs> like that frame, how, how we can use that framework that you presented in a pragmatic way in the world to sort of bridge some of the gaps of polarization that we're seeing? Yeah. So I think it's really important. I've come to the conclusion. It's really important to see this as a process and not, uh, there's no magic key or magic formula out there that if we follow it, then everything is going to be fine. I think what politicians and philosophers uh, and spiritual leaders and so on have, have struggled with uh, for centuries is how can I be free without violating your freedom? Yeah. I, that to me is the issue. I think everybody thinks everybody should be free, should be free, but how can I be free without violating your freedom? And yeah, so uh, that's something that we're trying to discover how to do on the Lasting Supper. How can I be free without violating your freedom? And that, if we could continue working that out, it's the same with my wife and I. We've been married. We just had our thirty eighth wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. And uh, that's been our constant. Um, challenge is uh, we want to be a healthy marriage. We want to have a healthy relationship. And that's always, how can I be totally myself without restricting you being you totally yourself? Yeah. I want you to be totally you, but I want to be totally me as well. And so it's a constant dance trying to figure out how I can be me without violating her and how she can be her without violating me. Yeah. And my authenticity. So uh, that that's what I think if, if communities struggle with that question, then it's going to be uh, on its way to health. I think I think that's a sign of a healthy community. Not not that they have figured it out, but that they're willing to try. Yeah, every they're having conversations. Day. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a that's a deep philosophical rabbit hole that we could jump down if you want, because it's <laughs> it is it's it's like you put it. It's a tension that is ongoing, and it's yeah. not it's not a destination that you reach. It's something that we have to continually wrestle with. And when I think about this, and like, there's a few contexts that come to mind. Uh, the one being how you know there's the the notion like there's obviously a lot of strong notions that evangelical Christianity in the West has held on to in the past century, like one being gay marriage and just LGBTQ plus uh -huh. in general and <clears throat> sort of their take on that. You know, if they were to. So I guess it's kind of to play devil's advocate, you know, if they were to take the um, solution or the notion that you just presented in their context, you know, the sort of. The line that's being drawn is, you know, where, how can I let you be you and me be me without there being harm involved uh -huh. either party? Yes, and I think it. that's the most difficult part. That's like, that's the crux of it because the harm to them comes from this eternal salvation aspect of it, which I mm -hmm. think, and I think honestly, like when I look across the, the landscape of progressive Christianity, especially, or just progressivism in general, I feel like that's a huge disconnect in how they understand the way, like, the modern evangelicism in uh, America works. You know, uh -huh. it's just how strong, strongly they do believe in these things. You know, the belief, yeah. the belief in hell is such a strong belief for them. And I think 
people have this really surface level notion where they, yeah, 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 hell, like that's they believe that. But if you grew up believing that, you know, this is a, it's not just life and death; it's life and eternal damnation, <laughs> or eternal no, life, eternal. So I think. Do you, do you want to kind of like dive down that route? We don't have to because we can go forever with this. But like I, I find that to be the most interesting place is how do you kind of bridge that gap? Because if I'm having conversations with people that I grew up with who are in that mindset, I find it it's really, really tough to because they, they believe that that's harm. You know, I would look at it from the angle of obviously, you know, if you're a baker and you're refusing to bake a cake for a gay couple you know, you are harming them. Like, it's a clear act of violation, you know, in uh-huh. real time. But yeah. to them, it's, it's, it's reversed in this, well, then, you know, we're supporting their lifestyle, which is eventually going to lead them to hell, and we don't yeah. want to be seen perpetuating that. And that's yeah. a deep uh, struggle yeah. there, you know? It's funny, uh, just down the road from me, um, we have our... I live in Canada, by the way, and... Uh, our liquor here is sold in actual government liquor stores. You can't buy liquor at the grocery wow. at the corner store. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, so you have to actually go to a liquor store, a government liquor store, <clears throat> and we pay a lot more because the, uh, the government taxes it so high and everything. Anyway, so our liquor store is up there. Then our grocery store is there, in the same sort of parking lot. And now they're building a brand new building. And I asked somebody the other day, I said, what's going up there? I asked somebody in the grocery store, yeah. one of the clerks, and they said, oh, they're building a weed shop there, a government weed shop. Like, <laughs> so the, 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 it's legal in Canada, right? And the, yeah, government, yeah. the government's going to be selling it like they sell alcohol, and they get taxes from it and everything like yeah. that. So we were kind of laughing that, you know, you get your weed there, and then you can get your snacks, and then you can get your booze all in one stop, right? <laughs> and... Uh, and I was thinking, I drove by there today, and I was looking at all the workers that are building this big new building. And I thought, I wonder if any, just, now this would only cross the mind of an evangelical or an ex-evangelical, <laughs> but I was thinking, I wonder if anybody there is thinking, I can't, in good conscience, help build this building. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, so, and, and, like, there's people out there saying, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're like, good. You're good. <laughs> but serious, like, seriously? It's just weed. Like, it's just, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, but it's, I totally agree. Like, I think people underestimate um, the whole evangelical fundamentalist thing where this isn't a joke. These people... These people, you people. I know we sound uh, <laughs> no, we. I, I was there. We actually really did believe this stuff. Like we, it's absolutely real. Hell is as real to them as the pavement they're walking on. I'm, yeah. and and you can't, you can't underestimate that. They really do believe this stuff, and and I really did believe this stuff. So uh, I'm not judging them uh, by saying, you know, I can't believe these idiots actually believe this stuff because I was there. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really a part of their belief system. Now, again, going back to what I said earlier, that's just thoughts, you know, just thoughts. They think it separates us. They're going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to hell. But that's not real. That's just something inside their brain. Yeah. Synapsing, you know, but um, it's not it's not real. It doesn't necessarily reflect reality. But yeah, ideas are important, however, because there are ideas that end up hurting people, that result in 
harming others, right? So yeah. that's why I think the important question is, how can, how can I be free without violating the freedom of others? How can we all be free without violating one another's freedom? And uh, I think that's the, the, the political question. But there are people who actually believe, well, I'm not going to hurt you. God will after you die. Yeah. <laughs> right. I promise I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah, it's the super go spiteful hell, attitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, just stay. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, just staying in that place where you're constantly wrestling with the question. That's such a great way of putting it, how that is the sign of a healthy community. Because yeah, you, yeah. you don't ever reach the other side. And I think that is the kind of way so many people who come out of that belief system, they fool themselves, you know, because yeah, they yeah. think they reached the destination and then they they slowly but surely become more and more like the person that they hate so much yeah, from the yeah. other side of everything. So I, I don't know how much, uh, we don't have to go too deep into this, but I'd be really interested just to hear just maybe some of the outline or some of the points that stick out to you. Like what were the steps that you took in deconstructing your belief because you, you had gone in the beginning you said you jumped around sort of denomination and belief structure a bit going through like your early mm-hmm. teens young adulthood and all that so what were, were there signs were there like significant moments along the way that stood out to you or sort of like just walk through that process a little bit if you want to yeah um well i remember uh, it, it began early with the fear of death and then, you know, being promised heaven wasn't really all that soothing to me. And then, you know, questioning Jonah and the whale and then the flood and, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but then um, it actually, uh, mine, mine was kind of a gradual thing. There were moments, there were spikes yeah. in, in traumatic kind of experiences, but one of the biggest ones was when I was in seminary, and for some reason I was reading a book. It wasn't on the syllabus or anything, but I was reading a book by James Beach titled The Silence of Jesus, and he took a Nietzschean sort of critique of uh, the Gospels, the sayings of Jesus and so on, and with really well written and it just sort of took me through uh he came down to do you remember the i don't know if you remember the uh um oh what was the name of that committee that they would blackball or red ball if it was a an actual historical saying of jesus what was that the council Uh, of nicaea no 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 i'm talking about modern day oh Uh, like 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 era like funk was on there and and stuff. I'm talking our lifetime. Oh uh, oh oh no! I have no idea. <laughs> the Jesus com- committee or something like that. Anyway, okay. uh, and he said that basically he came down to there were seven sentences that Jesus actually said that we can get out of the Gospels. And I, I, anyway, long story short, <laughs> long story short. And here I was at the time I was Pentecostal. I was, I. The whole earth moved underneath my feet. Like, it was devastating. Because now, I it was kind of like the Jenga block tower. Yeah. And the one at the very bottom was the inerrancy of Scripture. And that was being removed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and all, my, all my other theology was hinged on this one thing. So that was the big, big one. That's when it really started. So that, I was like... This was in uh, the mid-80s. And then, 
you know, that once that goes, that's the thin end of the wedge. Once that goes, the inerrancy of Scripture, then everything started to crumble. And it, and it took, like, you know, here we are, 2018. It took a long time for this to finally... But no, I don't see this as, a, you know, backsliding or me having to regain my childhood or mm. any of this stuff. I see this as a progress. This is my life. This is my story. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I like where I am now. I'm happy. You know, uh, things are good. Uh, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my life. I'm in love. I've got friends. I've got community, all this stuff. And, and, and I wouldn't be where I am today unless I was where I was yesterday. So I see all that I've gone through as chapters in my story leading up to now. And, you know, I coach people through that process to get to the point where I think that's important to get to the place where you look back and um, sort of see your life as a mixture of, well, you know, compost is half earth and half shit, right? So yes. you mix it together <laughs> and that makes a really healthy nutrient and from which to grow. So my, my life is half earth and half shit, and, but it's mixed together to to provide um, the culture from which I've become myself, you know, uh, from which I've grown. So uh, it's been a long process. And like I say, there's been spikes in trauma. <coughs> but um, fortunately for me, it's been mostly theological. There's been some, you know, unfortunate things happening in the church and, you know, abuse and control and all that kind of thing. But for me, mostly it's been theologically uh, motivated. Uh, for a lot of people, it's been um, motivated by, uh, you know, abuse of all yeah. kinds. And uh, that's, you know, caused them to question their beliefs and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it sounds really strange to maybe word it this way. I mean, it's not the best way to word it literally, but it's almost as if you have to look back on your abuse fondly. Like, you almost have to come to a point in your life where you've gone through the ringer, and now you're in a place where it's made, everything has sort of led up to where you are right now, and you mm -hmm. wouldn't change anything. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, there's certain events, obviously, when you put yourself in the mind place of trauma, or the mind space of trauma, you don't ever want to go back to that place, and you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. But then, right. you know, <clears throat> on the same token, you know, same token, other side, you know, it's it's made you and it's brought to you to where you are now you know yeah. i think even just in my own personal experience you know when i was um yeah i started to deconstruct my sort of the framework to my beliefs when i was around 17 or so and wow. really yeah yeah, yeah and, and really came it, it came to a head when i was 20 and i had sort of been building and building and building a lot of resentment and not really tending to myself spiritually or you know mentally physically i was mm -hmm. sort of partying and just kind of you know three sheets to the wind you know let's just you know do life there is no uh -huh. afterlife etc and it eventually led to a severe mental breakdown and mm. i it was terrible <laughs> it's a long story i was on a cruise and i was drunk 
and everything just sort of fell apart and I had I had my first experience of a, a panic attack so from this moment on it's 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 it was something that I had hoped after the fact that oh that was like a once and done thing that was traumatic I'll get past this but then it sort of lingered in my life for the next year, just really, 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 I mean, on a daily basis, you know, waking up, going to sleep, nonstop panic disorder, and to the wow. point where I had to get medicated. And it was all premised on just, you know, me sort of leaving A tr and trying to get to B, but not really taking care of myself along the way. So, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the midst of all that, you know, I... I remember a lot of it very well, and I would never, ever want to go back there. I mean, I, it felt like a living hell. It felt like yeah. each day was a never-ending cycle. I'm going to wake up, and it felt like hell. You know, it felt mm -hmm. like waking up and we're just starting over, and the, the same thing over and over again. And um, so, yeah, I wouldn't want to go back there, but then on the same, at, at the same time, going through that is what forced me to start taking what I believed and who I was more seriously. You know, I started to value life more and like there's a lot of relationships in my family and my friends who I had disconnected from and treated terribly and just think neglected completely and you know going through this really forced me in a selfish mm. way because it, it was I was reevaluating my own you know like existential life you know I, I, I was thinking about dying and maybe this is the end and I don't know what's going to happen and you know that really that was like the sort of moment for me that that really caused the avalanche for me to start hyper focusing on this stuff and yeah and making it the central part and now i can't get enough of it and i feel like i'm in a really similar place to you in this way where and a lot of other artists in this sphere like I don't, do you know who uh david bazan is oh yeah so like david's a great example of this because hey, you draw know, the line. <laughs> yeah the best i'm, I'm actually wearing yeah, a shirt awesome. now not, oh, cool. not, not on purpose just, <laughs> just wearing an undershirt but uh he, um, yeah, like him going through like that super strong part of his life, you know, thinking, you know, he's going to be a pastor or a youth pastor, music director or whatever, and then losing it all, you know, now he's in his, I don't know how old he is now, at least he's probably in his forties, I, I think, mm -hmm. but now he's in a phase where he's still writing music about it decades later. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people from the outside may look at something like that and say, you know, why are you still you know, hung up on this almost, you know, it's, it sort of seems like, oh, you're just kind of dragging out this, this time of your life that was hard, but when he's talked in interviews about it, I know he's, like, this is, he loves it, you know, it's, it's part, it's a love-hate dichotomy where it's constantly, like we've been saying, this tension that's just pulling at who mm -hmm. he is, and it's defined him as yeah. a person then, you yeah. Know? Yeah, I love his stuff, and I I love listening to him and his words and everything. Yeah, I really identify with it. But like, uh, I want to make something clear though. <clears throat> the um, we talked about like, I love it too. I love sometimes. Sometimes I want to take a break, but often I love talking about it. I love helping other people um, work through this shit. Yes, like yeah. I really love helping other people work, and that's why I do what I do. But. Um, I would never say, I, I can say to myself, listen, there's some things I went through, horrendous stuff I went through in the church, horrendous abuse that I wouldn't wish on anybody, and I wouldn't want to experience again. But yeah, I, I can see how it has contributed to the way I am. I'm way more aware, for example, I have compassion who, on people that's happened to, I understand why it happens. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I would never put those words in the mouth of another person. I would never say, hey, you need to just accept what happened to you as yeah. you know, part of oh your story. Yeah. Man, this is so cool. 
And because uh, I know people are like, I can't, I, I, I really feel I was robbed of my childhood or I, I, I feel I'm half the person I could be. Yeah. I wonder where I would be if I wasn't so wounded and damaged and blah, blah, blah. Right. So, uh, until somebody can say it themselves, I'm never going to say it for them because there are some unbelievable uh, things that have happened to some people that you know wouldn't be right for me to say. Hey, you just need to figure out how to integrate it in oh your life. Oh my god! You know? Yeah, that's right? such a great point right? to reiterate because that right. that line for each individual is so different. I mean, it's all across the spectrum. Oh, totally. And some yeah. people they do go their entire lives just working through the trauma because it was so devastating to them. Yeah. You know, and it really it's it's such a weird thing to even talk about. You know, it's it it's sort of reminiscent of a lot of pro athletes you know how a lot of pro athletes they have these really amazing inspiring stories about how they you know came up from nothing and they dug themselves out of the dirt and they yeah. became somebody and it's super inspiring when you hear them telling those stories and it's awesome that it happened to them but then again at the same time you have to also acknowledge the millions of people or the billions of people who didn't have that luck and yeah, maybe had yeah. the exact same thing happen to them and it really it trips me up because then i, I fall i i kind of slip then into this whole um mindset of what is even free will at that point because you yeah. know how much yeah you know, and people <laughs> this is you know big big thing in calvinism but it's like how it's how much of your life is really under your control you know like how much you know i didn't choose where i was born or who i right. was born in the family i was born into or the biology that i have today or the experiences mm -hmm. that happened to me like these are all and these are all the things that shape each of us more yeah. than anything so yeah. it really yeah. it really is tough because you want to be able to speak just like you are right now you know you want to be able to speak to your own experiences and hope you can be you know, inspiring to some people and you can actively be there for other people. But at the end of the yeah. day, we are all on this trajectory together and we're, yeah. it's, we're all in a different place. It's super yeah, exactly. weird. Yeah, it is. It is super weird. Yeah. So yeah. do you, uh, sorry, sorry to cut it. Was, was there <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I was going to say, I mean, you, you've obviously been hinting at this, the whole conversation, but, um, is there a sort of, framework that you want to dive into anymore of sort of what you believe now and where you're at now just generally speaking all this uh well um see one of the things that happened to me was the words i even though i say it's their only words their only thoughts there's still a lot of power in those words and thoughts yeah. So for me, when somebody says, do you believe in God? First of all, I say, well, what do you mean by believe? And then what do you mean by God? And each of those topics are huge, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, because I know when they're saying, do you believe, they mean, are you born again under the blood of Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior yes, kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> and then by, by God, they mean the white guy in the sky with the beard who, you know, is throwing everybody in hell and who doesn't believe in him and, you know, his son Jesus and the Holy, you know, all that stuff, all the baggage that comes with it. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, and, and again, these to me are, they're just words. Uh, I believe uh, that we're all one. And that the, the the universe is one. That there is this, you know. It's I know this sounds really. A lot of people are like, oh, that sounds really woo woo. Well, it but, sounds very Eastern because it's like the well, sort no, of there's, yeah. The, and I've I've been influenced by Eastern, but I think where I've come to is I I see now where 
the, the, the East is using its uh, mindset in an attempt to understand uh, reality and articulates it in its own language. This, and the West is doing the same thing. But there's one. There's only one reality. Yeah. But we have all these different perspectives and mindsets that are trying to understand, apprehend, and articulate what uh, what this reality, this mystery, is that we're living in. So, um, so to me, uh, we are, uh, you know, the East and the West and uh, North and South. We're all we're all the same. These thoughts are just. Uh, what seem to divide us actually are just just that they're just thoughts and words. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like when I think about it in those terms. I think I'm actually pretty close to you. <laughs> that's just yeah, keeping, and so, and, keeping everything in an open space. Basically. Yeah, and and um, if somebody held a gun to my head and and said, uh, deny that you're a Christian, I would probably. I, I don't know what I would do in that moment. It'd probably, it'd probably uh, be a very freaky moment, of course. But yeah, yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't want to say, I wouldn't want to deny it. And if somebody pointed a gun to my head and said, you know, uh, you must believe, right? It's the same thing. I would, I would resist that. Yeah. I don't like being forced or controlled to believe or not to believe or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I tell people Christianity is my family of origin. It's in my DNA, my spiritual DNA. I like the way it describes things. I, I, the theology of the cross has very deep, significant meaning for me and for, other, and for philosophers uh, as well. Uh, the Eastern philosopher uh, Krishnamurti valued the idea of the cross and its symbolism. As, and the same with uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Rosenstock Husey, uh, the philosopher, uh, valued the cross as a symbol, and so on. So there's a lot of theology I value, it, because to me, the the Bible, the 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 Gospels, the Christian theology, and everything, is an incredible metaphor, a very deep and rich metaphor, in attempting to articulate reality. Yeah. And I, I find it, I've been in it my whole life, I, and I, I value it. I find a lot, I get a lot of meaning from it. So my home's in Christianity, but I have cottages everywhere, including oh, <laughs> including the East and, you know, um, everywhere else. So, uh, and, 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 you know, by, there's some atheists who claim I'm a, I'm a believer, and there's believers who claim I'm an atheist, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I, a can has a label for those outside to understand what's inside. I don't need the label. Yeah. I, I, it's people outside of me that need the label to make them feel more comfortable. I don't need the label. Yeah, so. that's a great way of putting it because I, I hate <laughs> – it's funny that I asked you that question because I hate being asked that question because it is – it's such a way to box somebody in. And, yeah. you know, as someone who tries to sort of stay outside of the ideological realm, you know, you you have to operate in whatever framework you're given. And the framework you and I were both given was Christianity. So you know, yeah. it, even if we were to completely abandon it, we would never be able to completely shut out the influence and the mythology 
and the the wounds and just the like the literal neurological grooves in our mind that it's created and i think that's really really cool that you're trying to maintain you know in your own way this this um belief structure and that you're reclaiming it almost you know yeah so like let's take for example the virgin birth or the resurrection people say do you believe in the resurrection i'm like well i don't you know Let's not talk about the historical thing, but the the meaning of the resurrection metaphor for me ha- has unlimited value. Yeah, and um, and I, I I value that and uh, appreciate it and so on. But if you want to start talking about the history and uh, the historical Jesus and all that, then we're going to run into a snag. I know it. Yeah, it al- it always <laughs> ends in a snag. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like it's way easier to talk about all these terms and these experiences through the lens of, uh, you know, the, even this kind of sounds like it's pigeonholing the conversation, but mythology, you know, because people look through the word myth- mythology differently. You know, some people, right, right. They, they see that as, oh, it's a fairy tale, it's fake. Other people see it as, you know, no, it's metaphorically true. And I, I've, yeah. I, you know, I think you would probably agree. Like I tend to fall under that umbrella, where you know, it's it's mythology is just the way. Like there's a reason that you they teach kids in school, you know, Aesop's Fables and the Odyssey, and there's all these, you know, all these ancient stories that have been being told for hundreds, if not thousands, <laughs> of years, because yeah. the importance that we find in these stories, it's reminiscent across the the world you know it's across yeah. it's across belief systems it's across time you know it really it transcends the the sort of boxes that you and I are constantly trying to avoid you know yeah. and i think that's super important just to stay aware of and really work with them i think it was in 84 or 5 uh the john i think it was john bly wrote a book called iron john and where he sort of dissected uh, an old myth of this character called Iron John. Mm-hmm. And it was a book intended for men to get in touch with their inner selves and their emotions and so on. In fact, it, it launched quite a, a, a strong movement for men getting in touch with their emotions and so on. Oh, wow. But... Uh, and I read that book and got a lot of value from it. And but that that doesn't necessarily mean that I think Iron John was an actual character. You know what I mean? A <laughs> yeah, historical yeah. character. But I, I learned so much from it and it changed my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, now I'm not saying, I'm not applying that same thing to the whole gospel thing. But what I'm saying is uh, there's so much truth. And when I say that, there's so much truth from that that's transformative personally and socially. I think it's profound. But that doesn't necessarily mean every historical... Yes, yeah. You know. Like, that's like that's that's such an important point to focus on, whereas, like you'd said before, it's so easy to sort of devolve into chaos when you start talking about historicity, because mm-hmm. we, we have the best system of documentation today that there's ever been in history and even now we look at events that happen in real time through completely different lenses all across the world you know like you know an event could happen a shooting could happen you know any kind of tragedy could happen and people are watching the same video reading the same articles and coming out of it with completely different 
interpretations oh, yeah. you know yeah. so yeah. it really is it's such a dicey you know then yeah then you multiply that by you know t go back 2000 years ago and it's yeah. it's uh it's yeah. not not territory that's easy to navigate no but, that's true. david i really appreciate uh all the time this has been awesome uh is there anything that you're doing right now like i know you've mentioned this book but you want that you want to share to people uh, well, you know, um, I have seven books out now, but, uh, you know, you can find them all on Amazon. Um, uh, I'm not getting rich off my book, so I don't think I'm here to sell that or anything, or I'm trying to push the lasting supper or trying to push my coaching business or anything like that. But I just love what I do. I just love helping people, um, transition and, you know, to get over their religious baggage so that they get, get on with a happy life. I mean, mm -hmm. how many people do you know? Well, outside of yourself and and how many people do i know outside myself who are struggling to get rid of this religious religious baggage that seems to be holding them back from enjoying themselves yep you know and that's like i, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the lasting supper when lisa and i left the church we decided there's three areas we really need to work on friends finances and fun Yes. And, and because once we left the church, we lost our whole network of friends. And you ha we had to learn how to make friends. I mean, in our yeah. 50s, we had to learn from scratch how to make friends. Because when you walk into a church, you're given friends on a platter, right? They're big. Here's all your friends. Yep. And um, then the finances, because I had such an unhealthy, uh, limiting beliefs, unhealthy beliefs about money and business and success and all that kind of stuff. And then fun. Just just having fun, you know, outside of the walls of the church, Yeah, you know, so, you know, I just, I just want to help people enjoy life. And, you know, I know a lot of us are having a hard time getting rid of all that religious baggage that seemed to be preventing us from doing that. So yeah, if you want to reach out, you know where to find me, nakedpastor.com. <laughs> I love that, man. And your Instagram feed is phenomenal. Yeah, I look forward to your cartoons and your illustrations oh, every day. It's it's always it's always something thought-provoking and fun, and it really just it wraps all this into a nice, not even, I, I almost said neat. It's the opposite of neat. This nice, messy bundle of just, like, cool, you know, overarching experiences within, you know, what we've both been talking about here so. yeah instagram's fun uh, yeah it's one of my most uh, active uh social media accounts it's just so much fun yeah, yeah it's phenomenal it's cool. yeah. all right man well thanks so much again for the time and uh i'll see you on the internet <laughs> yeah yeah thanks a lot nathan anytime let's do right. it again soon yeah sure man take care take care all right bye